0: Welcome in, this is H. John Wheelhouse with Locked On Astros. Hello, everydayers. This is a special crossover edition with Locked On MLB Prospects host, Lindsey Crosby. Sit back and enjoy. It's a high drive, center field, barely. On Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Brett H Town Willhouse Chancy.
1: Got a little crossover action for you tonight, Lindsey Crosby, Locked On MLB Prospects. Brett, call him H Town Wheelhouse from Locked On Astros, and we are talking some of the Houston Astros rookies this year because it's been a kind of a surprise. Outfielder Corey Jolks has been. More than a lot of people thought that he would be at this point in the season. And, Brett, what are Astros fans saying about Corey's, what, 13 games at the major league level?
0: Well, they are just super impressed. Number one, he's a homegrown talent. He's from Friendswood, literally. I could probably throw a rock into the town he lives in. You know, so close. He went to Clearbrook High School. So he's the Mm -hmm. first player from Clearbrook to make it to the major leagues. Then he went to U of H, played all four years there, played with Connor Wong, who actually played in Pearland. Now, I believe Connor Wong was in that Mookie Betts trade to the Red Sox. And, you know, um, Corey Jolks is a kid that we've heard a lot about. Last year, he burst onto the scene, AAA really making headlines with 31 home runs, 30 stolen bases. Mm -hmm. And you're like, when is he going to get a shot? He went up rule five. He He didn't get selected. And so fans are like, hey, bring him. Let's see what he can bring because, you know, we're dealing with Brantley's down and Altuve's down, and why not? And center field's kind of a crapshoot. And, you know, Jake Myers, we don't know what he'll become. And this kid has stepped up, and he has shown leadership. He has shown poise. And when you get endorsements from Alex Bregman saying he's been ready since the day he got here, Mm -hmm. that's huge. So the fans in Houston love it. When he hit that first home run at Minute Maid Park, that was, I mean, the place went bananas.
1: It's it's always nice to hear the story of the, uh, the, the hometown, the homegrown guy make good. And to kind of give some of the background to my listeners, 2017 eighth rounder, Brett mentioned it, out of the University of Houston, so local kid, got 130 games all in Sugar Land last year. Uh, 270, 351, 503, 31 home runs, 56 extra base hits. And the 31 is significantly higher than any other season he had had. His previous high was... 14 home runs in A Corpus Christi in 85 games. So power production just goes through the ceiling. Uh, but yeah, 31 home runs, 56 extra base hits, 56 walks to 128 strikeouts. So right there by that one strikeout per nine level, uh, 22 at 27 on stolen bases. Pretty efficient on the base paths. And then so far this season, it's been 13 games, 277, 271, 468. Two home runs. You mentioned the, the big one being at home, five extra base hits, no walks to 17 strikeouts, and 0 for 1 on stolen bases. From the outside, the the things that we noticed was he goes on the development list in 2021, midseason, and he's out of action for a couple weeks. And that something that he did in that two weeks that he spent at the spring training site uh, changed everything for him. The home run numbers before that development list stint one home run every 73 plate appearances. Uh, afterwards, one home run every 19. Yeah. So d- made the changes to, to unlock the power. and And really, we say a lot, your power tool is only as good as your hit tool. He absolutely, like, it, the adjustments he's made, he's now probably an above average contact hitter and then has exit velocity that shows he's above major league average as far as uh, max exit velo, 90th percentile exit velo. And then the th- one thing I haven't gotten a good read on from the outside is his defense. He's playing a lot of corner outfield more so than right. center. I think that's the best profile. What's his defense look like?
0: Well, you know, he already has an outfield assist. Um, throw, he threw a guy trying to, I cannot remember who it was, trying to um, leg a single into do a double, which, mm-hmm. would, which is always tricky to do um, when. When you're when you're at home, when you're in Minute Maid Park, because it is so, because it is a short porch, so that's a pretty ballsy move to round first to go to second from left field. Yeah, but he also made a really nice diving grab. I was listening to the Pirates broadcast when I was watching the game, and they talked about how Jolks, McCormick, and Tucker had all made defensive contributions, and they said, you know, it's great when you have Brantley down when you know Brantley's probably not going to come back you know, play a whole lot in the field. Mm-hmm. You know, you got McCormick and Myers, got all these different kind of hodgepodge puzzle pieces. And Corey jokes come in here and he just sacrifices his life and limb just to get a dying, you know, fly ball, almost a and eyed type single hit. He has got a, he's got a good arm. He has range. He tracks the ball really well. Um, he plays in the middle of the field. Um, he doesn't play deep. He doesn't play shallow. He plays in the middle and Dusty picked up on that, and he said, "When you play in the middle of the field, you're going to have more chances." And he just knows how to track down those fly balls. He did that a lot in college. I mean, he's played all over. He's played third. He's played outfield. But look, he's not just a bat. He's mm-hmm. got a glove. He may not be a Pedro León arm, but he can still throw runners out. So his defense has been a has been a nice and welcomed addition to the you know to the Astros. Yeah, and
1: that was one of the questions that we had from the outside was, was kind of looking at, uh, we think he could ha- he could play everywhere, but he's probably better suited for a corner. The speed was above average, like you mentioned. Uh, the, the one thing that I noticed in the big league sample, and this is something we talk a lot on Locked in MLB Prospects about the adjustment that MLB makes to you when you first come up and mm-hmm. how you respond. And I think the adjustment you're going to see is going to be, he's going to start getting a lot more breaking pitches. When we look at, the stats and what he's done. He's got a 174 batting average on breaking pitches, but specifically his batting average on sliders is 0.071. And so it it feels like that's probably the biggest area to gain is, is adjusting to breaking balls and specifically to sliders. And a lot of, a lot of young prospects deal with that slider down the way. That's a problem for a lot of guys, but he's got a 41% swing and miss percentage on breaking balls. And then it's kind of hovering around the same on changeups. He just hasn't really gotten a lot of changeups. So really good fastball hitter, kind of matches what we saw. A little bit of work on, on slider. So that's something I think that Houston fans should probably watch out for. If he has a little bit of stretch where the production maybe isn't to the same that it's been the first 13 games, it's probably because he's having to make the adjustment of, they're throwing me tons of sliders down and away, and I've got to learn what's a strike out of the hand and what's not a strike out of the hand
0: but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, that has been the thing. And I know, you know, talking about making that adjustment, Jeremy Pena, you know, really Mm -hmm. fell off. He was right there neck and neck with Rodriguez for the rookie of the year campaign. And then he just like disappeared from everybody's mind as being the leading, you know, ROI, you know, you know, AL candidate last year. And then he made the adjustment late in the season and he started laying off pitches. Um, those breaking pitches and it depends on the pitcher too, because some of these guys that do throw sliders, they hang it, they throw these cement mixers. But if a guy has a pitch, when he throws it at you, it's got enough velocity where you don't see the break until last minute on the couch. It's easy to go. Why did you swing at that? But to the batter, that ball's coming to the strike zone and all of a sudden it disappears. And so that's what they really have to plan on it. And I trust that the Astros pitching coaches will, I mean, hitting coaches will help him with that because he talked about his power numbers changing. And he just said, I just made some mechanical, I didn't made some adjustments. I was sometimes too long. I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, closed here. I do and not do anything. He said you make those adjustments and then you trust what you can do and you trust your ability. And he said, then I started hitting home runs. And he said, and then I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, okay, I, I hit another home run, you know, and I just round the bases. So, I love his approach.
1: Yeah, and, and the timing makes sense. Right about now is where you see the league start to adjust. For context, you mentioned Jeremy Pena struggles uh, early in the year last year. So he got as high as a 345 batting average on April 16th. And then wow. that's kind of, so we're, we're recording on April 20th to come out April 21st. And from there, it took, it was about three weeks of work and he bottomed out on May 1st, right around a two eleven average and then from there it was a steady climb and it kind of held right around that two in, where he ended up at 253 for the, just about the rest of the season so that's kind of an indication of of uh, he's got some adjustments coming it'll be a couple weeks for him to to work on that and to adjust on that uh, i do want to talk about i've been big on my show about hunter brown hmm. and i really i really want to get into hunter brown with you uh, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at GameTime. I don't know about you, Brett, but I often decide last minute, I'm going to go to a baseball game or I'm going to go to, yeah. my wife wants to go to a concert or a play or something. And so what I love about Game Time is the Game Time guarantee, right? They're there for last minute tickets. You can buy uh, tickets for like ex- exclusive flash deals on just about any sport. But what's great is you get an image of the seat before you buy. It's like two taps to actually buy it. Tickets come straight to your phone, and you've got the game time guarantee that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you paid on game time, they'll credit you 110% of the difference. It's absolutely wild. So, download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account, redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, Brett, last year, Hunter Brown comes up late in the year, gets a couple starts, and he works in relief the rest of the year and was very, very impressive from the context of, think about the situation he's stepping into, right? He's stepping into the end of the year for a World Series contender. uh, And he he comes in in the regular season, 0.89 ERA in 20 innings pitch, 22 strikeouts to seven walks. And then he goes into the postseason and is part of the bullpen for a world series run in his rookie year. And then looking at this year, he Justin Verlander leaves in free agency. He steps into the rotation and very much, you know, does the baby Verlander thing going back to his time uh, in the state of Michigan as a prepster and watching uh, Justin Verlander with the Tigers. He looks like Justin Verlander. The pitch mix is similar. And so far this year, 18 and two-thirds innings, an ERA just under two. 17 strikeouts, so like 8.2 per nine to six walks, right about three per nine with, again, no home runs allowed. Uh, Are Houston fans, is this one of those things where you're like, hey, we have complete confidence it was the right thing to do not to re-sign Verlander? Or was it a little bit of like, we were worried that we didn't do it, but it looks like it worked out?
0: You know, I think at first a lot of people were worried because you if you take out the 25 starts from Verlander, you take you you take away 15 to 16 wins, a perennial Hall of Famer, but then you fast forward to 2023 right now, where Verlander still hasn't even pitched and he's down on injury. And then Hunter Brown continues his not giving up home run streak, <laughs> and he really has been the one pitcher that's been consistent every time he's hit the mound this early outside of Framber Valdez doing his job for the most part. Mm -hmm. But that's been a sticking point. The Astros of 2023 aren't as strong or as consistent early on as the Astros of 2022. But the thing is, with this club, with Hunter Brown, you have a killer instinct. And I want to share this with your audience because I've shared this with Locked On Astros. Um, When him and Yanner Diaz were elected to the MLB Futures game, I was at Constellation Field where the Space Cowboys play. Um, that next day, and nice hand, happened to by see, yeah, thank you. Um, I happened to see Hunter Brown on the sideline. He was signing autographs, and so I was talking to him. I said, "Hey, Hunter, um, congratulations on being elected to the MLB Futures Game." I was like, "What do you think about that?" He goes, "Well, I love it. It's he goes, it's huge that you're you know respected like that." But he said, "You know what I really want?" He said, "I really want to be at Minute Maid Park helping the Astros win a World Series." And I was like, he didn't even skip a beat. And so I got to tell that story to Dusty Baker before the season started. I said, Dusty, Hunter Brown literally manifested this World Series. He said, well, he's a champ. And that's just the kind of moxie that he has. Um, a lot of people are like, a lot of people coming into the season were like, whoa, don't call him Justin Verlander. He's too young. That's wrong. And I'm like, no, the comparisons are there because he has similar delivery mechanics. Mm-hmm. Everything's simulated, But he's come in. He can't really do much more than what he's done. And he's been a a seven-inning guy so far this year. And if he can be consistent with not knowing what you're going to get from McCullers, it takes a little bit of the pressure of the other guys because we just got through watching a a game where Luis Garcia struck out nine batters and looked like an ace out there. And So Hunter Brown, everybody loves him here in Houston. He is – He's really cool, and I'll share one more thing. Hunter Brown. So, our pitchers are Kidi Valdez, um, Garcia, Javier. and you know Javier. They all go watch each other warm up in the bullpen,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Hunter Brown's first start in the major leagues. You look out in the bullpen; all four of these starters are right there on the fence line watching him warm up. Kind of like, kind of like initiating him. Like you're one of us. Right. And I think stuff like that in the, in this team is what has helped Hunter Brown become the pitcher that he's becoming right before our eyes. Yeah.
1: And, and the stuff has always been like really great with Hunter Brown. And that's another similarity to Verlander. It's not just the mechanics and the delivery, but like the stuff that he throws, he's got that, that like kind of over the top higher release point. Uh, the fastball is a fantastic fastball. I I want to say, when I was last, I was checking it was sitting 96, 97. He can touch a hundred with it, Yeah, uh, you know, breaking pitch. It's, it's like a slider cutter hybrid. I've seen those called sliders a couple places it sits around 92 or so. One of the harder ones in baseball and then has that big breaking curveball that sits in the, in the low to mid eighties. I noticed some interesting changes to his pitch mix this year. I was kind of digging into some of the stuff and I I think it's mostly good changes, but he's throwing the fastball. Significantly less than he was last year, which is normally a thing you'd be worried about. So, like last year, he was over 50% fastball, mm. 52% fastball, 31% curveball, and like 13% slider. And then he had that split finger change that he'd throw. I think he threw like seven of them all year in the bigs. This year, it's like even 33 and 33 on the fastball and the slider. Mm. Uh, and what it's done for him is the walks have come down a little bit. Uh, and the strikeout rate has ticked down a little tiny bit as well, but it's really helped uh, avoid barrels. So he's, he, he, he's giving up a lot softer contact and guys aren't really squaring things up like they used to. I think the max exit velo on his four seam fastball is like 88, like guys oh, wow. just are not squaring this up like they sometimes were able to do last year. And so it shows me that he's able to evolve and he's a power pitcher. Yes, he still has that, that, that aggressiveness, but he's, he's willing to work the pitch mix and get into the secondaries a little more, get you to chase a curveball, things like that, because he knows that one, it can get him a little deeper into an outing by doing that. So there's no hangover from relieving last year. And then also it's just, it helps him be a little bit more accurate when he's not trying to, just pound fastballs over and over and worrying about fatigue. It's a good change. And I feel like, like you said, you're confident about him making it to the seventh inning. And I think this bears that out, that he's he's willing to back off the fastball a little bit and throw you a curveball and make you chase it or throw you a slider to conserve his energy for when he really needs it.
0: Because see, last year, when he was in the minor leagues, he had a very slow start. His command was... He was all over the place. He could not. He could not harness the spin rate right on his breaking pitch. I mean, when you throw a ninety-four mile an hour slider, you've got to <laughs> really. You you've got to have not only the mechanics, but you've got to have where that hand comes over right. The wrist can't be tilted too much. If it's forty-five, it's for straight up, and it's got to be a repeatable, you know, motion. Mm-hmm. And he seemed to get a hold of that earlier this year than he did last year. And so that means he's grown. That means he's gotten better. So I think Hunter Brown is going to be in the Rookie of the Year talk at the end of the season. I don't know that he becomes the main vote-getter, but if he just stays consistent with where he is, this kid is a student of the game, and he's got fire, and he's got passion, and I love that
1: for context here his first six starts of the year for everybody he walked uh, 14 batters in something like 24 innings so definitely was struggling with the control again this was at, this was at AAA he was also 0 3 so like the ERA wasn't bad but a lot of it was was just he was walking batters i think he walked five guys in his first start of the year so a lot of struggles there but definitely has made it work out the one thing i do want to be mindful of or I guess I kind of want to prepare uh, uh, Astros fans for, is last year he did only, between AAA and the bigs, he did only throw about 125 innings. So being mindful, you can make a reasonable jump in that from 125 to probably 160 or so, but it's something where like you're going to have to find ways every now and then, especially in the middle of the summer in Houston, to skip a start here and there to give them a little bit of a break as far as watching the innings tick up too high. So kind of be mindful, you know, uh, uh, for for Astros fans of watching the the, the innings count on the year for Hunter Brown, simply because he did spend so much time in relief in Sugar Land and in Houston both last year. So the inning counts a little bit lower than typically would have it be. Uh, But in in just a second, I do want to talk about um, uh, Forrest Whitley. It's a guy we've heard a lot about for a long time, and there's there's been some some recent good things said about him. Uh, but first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Ultimate Pro Baseball GM. It's a really fun game, and not just because Brett's gotten fired like three times. <laughs> the, the best part is, okay, so this game, you are in charge of everything about your minor league franchise, right? You are hiring coaches and staff. You are scouting and drafting players. You are navigating free agency. You're dealing with personalities. You're dealing with injuries. You're dealing with the finances. Like, it's a realistic and challenging but still fun game world. And it's completely free. You can play it offline, on the go, as little or as much as you want. Uh, and w- the coolest part, this is what we do with the Lockdown Podcast Network, is you can create leagues with your friends. So we have one with a bunch of our hosts. Jeff Ellis from On Guardians is, like, fantastic at this game. Yeah, uh, like i mentioned brett you've been fired a few times uh, I'm terrible you, you and the owner don't necessarily get along with some of how this stuff works but it's a it's tons of fun and locked on listeners get a 100 free boost to your franchise when you use the promo code locked on in the game store so make sure to check it out to download the game visit probaseballgm.com if you're on youtube scan the code on the screen or look it up in the app store it's probaseballgm.com the ultimate baseball gm app start your dynasty today
0: Yeah, don't start it and end it as quickly as I am.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Astros fan, you guys have had an adventure with Forrest Whitley. Um, Backstory for for listeners who aren't familiar with him, we talked about him on my show yesterday, but 2016 first rounder out of high school, and he had about a three-year stretch where he was your number one prospect and one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. Um, And it's just, it's been a lot of adversity. What's the the feelings been in in the fan base about what to think about Forrest Whitley?
0: Well, you'll commonly see the social media response of Forrest Whitley, never heard of her. (laughs) You'll get the, wait, he still exists? Or I thought he was like a unicorn where like you hear stories about it, but you've never actually seen one. I mean- uh, there are a lot of fans that are like, "Can we trade him now?" I mean, because the only thing you have to go off is, "What have you done for me lately?" And last year, J- now James Click talked a lot about getting Forrest Whitley in there by June. I mean, he talked about it almost at nauseum. And then I actually went to a game that he pitched in Sugarland. He lasted an inning in the third, and he left with some kind of. What is it? Wasn't his rotator cuff. It was something happened. This is his scalpel, his scapula. I like I literally don't know what it was. He just he randomly left. He had like three strikeouts and and then in the third, then he was gone. Oh, he was on the I. L again. And then, the, and then the whole thing started up. Oh, he's he can never stay healthy. Forrest Whitley has had this huge crown on his head of being the guy that is. Has been in every trade talk that the Astros have had with any club since he mm-hmm. got here, and yet he has he has yet to perform or do the things that we've all been told he can do. But look, his year started off pretty well this year. He's he's actually pitching decently, and he's not hurt. Knock on wood. But the fans <laughs> want to see it. exactly the fans want to see him here. The the fans are like, look, this is a make-or-break year. If he doesn't make it, sorry, Forrest, I'm done with you. I mean, they really have a love-hate relationship with him. And some people feel it's his fault. Some people feel it's not. It all depends. It's whoever you talk to, you know, I'm like, I'm all about Forrest Whitley making it because we've stuck with him this long. We might as well get something out of him.
1: Yeah, and and the the first two starts of the year were, were very, very good. Uh, he went four innings in both. Both of them he gave up one hit. Three combined walks, 11 combined strikeouts, one run allowed. Uh, He did get roughed up on the 18th. He went four and two-thirds against the Las Vegas Aviators, who were about to be sharing a a stadium with the Oakland A's. Uh, Hmm. But four and two-thirds, four hits, five runs, three walks, six strikeouts. Gave up a couple home runs. I think that was kind of the big thing there. Uh, But my observations from watching, I got a chance to watch him versus the Oklahoma City Dodgers back on the 12th. Uh, Four innings, one hit two walks, seven strikeouts. The big thing that I took away from watching Forrest Whitley is, yes, he's missed a, missed a bunch of time, and a bunch of it was because of injury. He had lat obliques in 2018. He had a shoulder injury in 2019. Then he had TJ in 21. But it looks like he's really streamlined the delivery a lot. He's taken out a lot of the extra stuff. It looks a lot calmer. Now, a out of that is – A lot of the time I was watching, he was in the stretch. And so I don't know if there's more work in the windup. He may have just permanently gone to the stretch. That's the thing we Hmm. see guys do sometimes. But it really does feel like it's not necessarily, like the book's not closed on Forrest Whitley. Uh, Baseball America's write-up, they talk about like at best you're looking at a middle relief kind of guy. Um, there's no chance he's gonna he's gonna be a starter, that kind of thing. and wow. I still think the tools are pretty good. I mean, the sinker can still sit high 90s. he can run it up to almost a 100. he's still got that slider kind of cutter hybrid. he's got the he's got the uh, the change up looks good. I still think he can be a back of the rotation guy. The stuff isn't what it was before Tommy John. It right. still may come back. but I absolutely think he's still uh, still a, a, a useful piece. And is still somebody you should count on. I really hope he's going to make the big leagues this year. He has, this is his final, his final option year. So it's something where, I mean, he's 25 years old. I want him to get a chance to pitch in the bigs, even if it's only for one outing, just so that he can realize the dream that he's been working for literally since he was drafted in 2016.
0: Exactly. And I was actually talking to some fans. Um, I went to the game where the Astros poured on the runs on the Blue Jays late to win their first home series of 2023. That was nice. But the whole thing on Forrest Whitley was they were like, well, do you think we should bring him up sooner or later? I said, I think it's going to depend on how he's doing. I think if he's down there cooking and he's missing bats, let him have a lot of success. Mm-hmm. Wait to see what McCullers does. If McCullers comes back and he are not really confident that he can go a full quote unquote start, do what they've been doing in this minor league system for years. Piggyback. piggyback where four or five innings are here, four or five innings are there. And you know what? That might be a good primer for Whitley. And, you know, you could put Lance McCullers in that relief role. You could put Whitley in that relief role. But you have those options. I think that's kind of what they were doing with Ronell Blanco. I don't know how that's going to turn out. Ronell's kind of leveled off a little bit from his hot spring and WBC. But I think Forrest Whitley comes in when the Astros feel like the time is right, I would not mind if he came in like Hunter Brown late in the season. You know, we had these phantom injuries pop up. You may need to rest McCullers. You may need to rest Urquidy. You may need to rest Luis Garcia. Give him a couple starts. Then, if you think he's ready, put him in some playoff situations. Hunter Brown thrived in that. Mm -hmm. Forrest Whitley could do the same. So, I don't know if you catch lightning in a bottle two seasons in a row that way. But there are, there's more than one way to get Whitley on this roster. My issue is don't bring him up too soon. Yeah,
1: he needs to get as much confidence as possible, kind of given uh, his his career path, really not just his year, but his career path and what's happened. I think it's a good plan and probably the best way to handle that. Uh, uh, Brett, if, if listeners have locked in MLB prospects want to check out more about the Astros and what you guys are doing, how can they follow you and find the show and do all that?
0: Well, what, what I want you to do is go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Even if you're not an Astros fan, we, we preview our series against other teams. And look, we just have a fun time. We have a great time on there. You can go to Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Um, and if you're an everydayer of Locked On MLB prospects, you can become an everydayer for the second listen with Locked On Astros. Um, but what's cool is we get player interviews. We had Corey Jolks on before he got called up. You've had Ryan Stanek, um, Robert Flores, David Sampson. Some pretty big names come through um, our studios, and we love to talk to them because they get us in on the national game as well. So come check us out. You can find me at h Wheelhouse on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find our co-host, Eric, at Eric talk Stroh's. And then you can find the show Locked on Astros, literally Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter. I mean, pretty much wherever you get your podcast, any social media. We're there. We're hanging out.
1: And for Astros fans, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. the show, obviously, Locked in MLB Prospects, available level where you get your podcast and on YouTube. Uh, and if you have questions for the mailbag, we do questions every single Monday, a Mailbag Monday episode. Uh, send them to me either on Twitter, at Locked on Farm. You can email us, Locked in MLB Prospects at gmail.com, or we do have a Discord as well. Uh, until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer.